No, he won't. He won't fail you. He says in Timothy there, he says, though you are faithless at times, I will not be anything but faithful. He has to be faithful. He can never fail you because in order to do that, he'd have to be not faithful. And so, uh, man, what a promise. What a promise. A God that'll be faithful in spite of you. Amen. I'm not going to preach that song, but I just preached it a little bit. I have something I have to get out of the way real quick, and then I'll get to our sermon. Um, how many of you understand that this particular month we're praying for Options Health? Amen? Hands up. Hands up. How many of you know that? Praying for Options Health, okay? So one of the things that we told you earlier in the month was that um, on May 21st, which is this coming Saturday, they have a Walk for Life event where it's a major fundraiser for them and they are uh, going into a new facility. They need lots of funds for that. And um, I met with Karina Lavanyas, who's our liaison uh, here at Valley uh, with them. And um, she was telling me about the different ministry opportunities that we have with Options Health. And um, I'm like, well, man alive, that walk for life, I think I'll just go out there and do a walk. I'll go for a little walk myself. My wife's jealous because I hardly ever go for walks with her. I told her she's welcome to join me. And this is a walk for a purpose now. And so uh, I have one of these forms right here, walk for life. And inside of it, you see that there's a place. I, you probably can't see it real well, but there's a place there where you can fill in and support me in my effort to help raise funds. And when there's no one's name on this and we only got six more days left, that's not a good sign, people. So uh, if you see me afterward, I'll get you signed up. And you can show your support for Options Health in that process. And then I won't be so embarrassed as to not have any supporters. But no, I do have several of them, but I left a sheet in the back already. So, But if you'd sign up for that, we would greatly appreciate it and Options Health would greatly appreciate that. And then... If you don't have the funds to do that type of thing, please continue to pray for Options Health this month as we use that this month to pray for them. That brings us to the final passage in uh, the Gospel of John. Um, yeah, that's right. When I'm stepping off the stage here today, we will be done with the Gospel of John in our series anyway. We'll never be done with the Gospel of John because it's part of the Word of God. But for this particular series that we've walked through, it's been about a Oh, I don't know, about a year and a half, maybe a little bit more that we've been in John. Uh, probably even more than that. Yeah, probably two years now. But when you have 21 chapters of such a wonderful book, it's really hard to get through it quickly. And so we wanted to take our time with it. Um, last week, Pastor Todd spoke to us about the reinstatement of uh, Peter in chapter 21, verses 15 through 19, and uh, gave us a description of Jesus' conversation with Peter shortly after breakfast. Remember that they... He uh, came in from fishing. He was supposed to be somewhere else. Peter was supposed to be meeting Christ at a, on a mountain, as I recall. And uh, he got a little distracted and decided it would be more fun to go fishing. And being a little bit of a leader with the men, he said, hey, I'm going fishing. I ain't waiting around on this mountain. I'm going fishing. And the rest of the men said, hey, that's a good idea. Let's go fishing. Careful who you follow. Careful who you follow sometimes. So that's what they did, and so Pastor Todd brought that to us last week, and Jesus had just questioned Peter regarding his love for him in that passage, and um, in doing so, Jesus reinstates Peter. 
and he reinstates Peter and gives him instructions about his life and ministry. And uh, in those words, attend his, do you love me, Peter? Do you love me, Peter? Do you love me, Peter? Three times he asked him. Three times he denied him earlier in the book. Three times he requested that question of, do you love me? And Todd covered it wonderfully last week. And so just trying to catch you up if you weren't with us last week. So, and the, the command, the, the ministry, that part of it was, tend my sheep. If you really love me, if you really love me, Peter, it's easy to say you love me. But if you really love me, you'll take care of my sheep. That's your ministry opportunity. And following that conversation, it's amazing to me, um, he tells Peter about his death. And so this morning I'm using verse 18 and 19 from last week's sermon from Pastor Todd. I'm not going to try and prove what Pastor Todd said last week. He did a wonderful job, but I need it for a launching point to get into this passage. So we'll be using that a little bit. Let's read. I'm going to read from 18 through 25 of chapter 21 of the Gospel of John. So here we go. Hopefully you're there or it's on the screen behind me. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were younger, you used to gird yourself and walk wherever you wished. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will gird you and bring you where you do not wish to go. This was signifying how he was going to die. Now this, he said, signifying by what kind of death he would glorify God. See, God is glorified in death. He's glorified in the death of a saint. Isn't that amazing? When you die, he'll be glorified. Huh. When Lazarus died, he was glorified. When Jesus died, he was glorified. And when Peter died, he was going to glorify him. Amazing. Amazing. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, and think of these words, I want you to think of them, follow me. In my Bible, and in all the ones that I looked at, all the translations I looked at in prepping for the sermon, there's an exclamation point at the end of that. It's not, come on, follow me. It's not that. Follow me, is what he said. I know, I'm kind of preaching it as I go. Peter, turning around, saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them, the one who also had leaned back on his bosom at the supper and said, Lord, who is the one who betrays you? So Peter, seeing him, said to Jesus, Lord, and what about this man? Jesus said to him, if I want him to remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. Therefore, this saying went out among the brethren that the disciple would not die. Yet Jesus did not say to him that he would not die, but only if I want him to remain until I come. What is that to you? And then we go to the authentication of, the, of this gospel in verses 24 and then 25. This is the disciple who is testifying to these things and wrote these things. And we know that his testimony is true. And there are also many other things which Jesus did, which if they were written in detail, I suppose that even the world itself would not contain the books that would be written. So verses 18 and 19, let's just take a look at them, and I, like I say, I'm going to use that as a springboard into the, the rest of the message, but truly, truly, I say to you, when you were younger, you used to gird yourself and walk wherever you wished. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will gird you and bring you where you do not wish to go. 
Now this he said, signifying by what kind of death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, follow me. Now I want you to think about this. Peter denied Christ three times. Three times he denied him. And on the third time when he denied him, earlier in, the John, in John we saw that on that third denial as he was denying him, he looked, and as he looked over, he saw Jesus looking at him. And then the rooster crowed. You remember that part of things? I'm imagining that Peter felt about that tall at that point. The shame, the guilt of denying Christ three times. You ever been caught doing something really stupid by your parents? Am I the only one that that's ever happened to? And all your mom and dad got to do is look at you? They just give you that look and immediately not only do you realize you're busted but immediately you feel ashamed of what you've done that's what Peter had gone through and now he exits that whole scene feeling like he's a total failure and we would say he was a failure at that point I just have to say right now thank God for Peter thank God for Peter because Larry Howard is Peter reincarnated. Not really, I don't believe in reincarnation, but that is who I am. I've denied him a lot more than three times, people. I'm so thankful that we have a Savior that can reinstate us. Amen. That he's already paid the price for all that I will do or won't do or whatever. He's already paid the price for all of that. But then he reinstates him in, in Pastor Todd's message last week. He got reinstated through the asking of those questions and then also not just reinstated, but reinstated to ministry. Reinstated to be, make a difference in the ministry. So a, a, a glorifying of the Father in all that he was going to do. There's a couple things here. You may think that Peter might have felt like, because then immediately, this is, what, this is the, the part that I'm just like, whoa, as soon as he reinstates him, Peter's starting to feel good about himself again. Like, all right, I'm back in. I'm back in the fold. It's after you've already been, you've already faced the shame and the discipline of your parent, and now, you, I, I don't know about you guys, but my mom and dad used to whip me with a belt. They would be arrested and thrown in jail today's world. But they knew I needed that belt. And guess what? Some children I see, they need a belt. And if they, don't, if they don't get the belt used on them, their parents need to get it used on them sometimes, I think. Now, that's not in my sermon. I don't even know why I talked about that. But I know that when my mom and dad, it's amazing to me when my mom and dad would discipline me like that. I'd go to my room. They'd leave me in my room crying. And it was always interesting to me. No one made me do this. But after my tears were gone, after the shame of being disobedient or whatever the, the punishment was for, I used to run to my dad and crawl up in his lap and give him a big old hug. And he would tell me in his arms, I love you, son. That's what Jesus was doing to Peter. 
in the passage that Todd spoke about. He was allowing that fellowship to come back. And he gave him the same words that he gave him at the beginning. When he first met him, he said, follow me. He said, drop your nets. Forget about the nets. Come and follow me. Now, that's what he told you when he saved you. He didn't say it verbally to you, but he was, the command is to follow after him. Get in the will of the Lord. Follow after him that you might glorify the Father. That's the command. The follow me is more than just walk next to me. It's follow after me. Do the things I do. Continually follow after me is what the passage really is saying. Don't follow for a little while. Continue on. Persevere in following me. But it's interesting, at the end of this reinstatement, the love of Christ is being poured out. Peter's able to tell him he loves him. I used to do that with my dad after I'd been disciplined. I'd tell him, Dad, I love you. I don't want to disappoint you. I don't want to do that ever again. Now, I didn't always succeed in that. And I got lots of spankings, not as many as my brothers did, they will tell you, because I was the baby. And you know, babies just don't get it as bad as the rest. But, but Christ follows with, from that to now telling him, you're going to die for me. And that might seem cruel that he would say that. You're going to die a martyr's death with your arms stretched out. You're going to die just like you saw me die with your arms stretched out. And you're going to go where you don't want to go. And Todd covered that last week beautifully. And so I just say it to lead in. It's like, this is what you're going to do. And in the process, you're going to glorify me. You're going to glorify the Father in that process. And I look at it and I think, well, that's, are you kidding me? You didn't even let Peter get over the excitement of being reinstated. I'm like, now you're going to die. That seems cruel. Except that Peter accepted that. He was like, you mean I'm never going to fail you again? I'm never going to deny you again? That's what was being said. Not only are you not going to deny me, you're going to have opportunity to deny me, and instead of denying me, you're going to die. Now, when Jesus Christ tells you something's going to happen, it's going to happen. Amen? Amen. So, little time to celebrate the reinstatement. But I think Peter still celebrated it. You mean to tell me that I'm going to have enough courage? I'm going to have enough strength? Remember, this is pre-Pentecost. He does not have the Holy Spirit yet. And Christ is making a promise to him, really. You're going to die this way, and you're going to glorify the Father in it. You're going to die telling the truth about who I am. What a promise. What a promise. Remember the first time that Jesus spoke about his own death, Peter said, oh, no, no, you're not going to die. We're not going to let that happen. And then when they were going to take him away, he draws his sword and he tries to Fortunately, he had a bad aim or the Lord made his aim be where it just took an ear off instead of someone's complete head. So this is, in my mind, when I look at this, I think, now, Peter, you've opposed to death multiple times. 
You, you didn't want people to die. You, you opposed it. And now you're accepting your own death. And he does. He's accept you don't see Peter really complaining about it, do you? No. He said this signifying what kind of death he would glorify God in. And when he had spoken this, he said, follow me. And what happens? I believe when he says, follow me, I think this, just, I'll act it out a little bit for you. It's like this. Follow me. And Jesus starts to walk. Looking at Peter, he starts to walk. And I think Peter starts to walk with him. I titled this sermon, Staying Focused. Staying Focused. It's the most important thing you'll do in your Christian life is staying focused on the one that you're supposed to be following. But let's see how Peter responded. This Peter was something else. He was a, he was a, he was a work. Listen, a requirement, this is just typical physics and logic. A requirement for following someone, is stay, following someone is staying focused or keeping your eye on the target. You're supposed to follow me, Peter. That's what my commandment is to you. Follow me. And he said it emphatically. They take a few steps, and what happens in verse 20? Peter turning around. Wait a minute. How can you follow someone if you're turning around? It reminded me of a story. I'm going to tell it. Happened in my life. I watched it happen. It was incredible. How successful do you think you would be at following someone if the first thing you did was turn around? Imagine that you're going to follow someone in their car. They say, just follow me. I'll drive us. Just stay with me and we'll drive. And as they drive away, you turn your car around and start driving in the opposite direction. How long do you think it'd be before you got lost? It wouldn't be very long, would it? Especially if they made a turn. If they're just going straight, you might catch up to them. But if they make any turns, you're, you're, you're gone. You're not gonna, you can't follow them. This is what Peter did. He turned around the first thing. Now, what caused him to turn around is a whole other thing. But I'm going to tell you the story. I went to a pastor's conference in New York City uh, with, with a group of pastors here from Valley and um, uh, Pastor Phil and Carolyn were there and uh, Dave and Fran Howard were there and um, I think Ted and Denise Montoya and the Geese, there was, there was about 10 of us that went on this trip. And uh, we went a couple days early so we could kind of do some sightseeing. I think we'd gone to see the Statue of Liberty and some things like that and uh, incredible. If you've never done that, you should try and do that before, uh, before too long here. But um, we were, in order to travel around in New York City, you either get on a cab, you walk a lot, or you get on the subway. So we were in a spot where we needed to get from one part of New York to another, so hey, let's get on a subway. So we all go down, down into the tunnel there, and we're looking around, and it's, it's a little complicated. You know, you got your maps, and you got all the ways, and there's an orange line, and there's a, you know, 53, and this takes you over there, and we're all working on it. And so we finally, actually me and my Aunt Carolyn, it was given to us, the assignment was given to us to try and figure out which line we're supposed to get on. So we're looking at it, and we finally figure it out. This is the line we need. We need to walk down this tunnel. We need to go through those turnstiles. That's the direction we're going. Okay, so listen to this. So we start. Well, one of my other jobs, I was, a, Lynn, my wife was not with me, so I'm by myself, so I'm like the single amongst this. 
So one of my jobs was to stay kind of behind a little bit and make sure all the little sheep got where they're supposed to go. All right? And when you're dealing with pastors, getting them to go in a direction, oh my goodness, everybody's got their own idea, even though they gave you the permission to give the one that gives direction. All right, so we designed it all. We're all gonna go this way. Follow? We're all walking that way. So here we go. And I'm behind. And I look, and I take about three steps, and my Uncle David, David Howard, pastor of senior care around here, congregational care. All right, so he's walking past me going that way. All right? And so he gets about two or three steps, and I go, hey, Carolyn, Carolyn, where's David going? She goes, I don't know. David, David. And so he just keeps walking. Finally, I go, Uncle Dave. And he turns around and he goes, what? We go, where are you going? Here's his response. I'm just following you guys. <laughs> I'm like, what? We'll meet you in China then. I mean, if we just keep going our directions, we got to come all the way around the globe to meet each other again. Now, that's a funny story. And it really did happen. I'm not even embellishing that. That's exactly what, me and my aunt, I looked at my aunt, and she looked at me, and I just went, I don't know. But we did, we did him turn and get him going the right direction, and we all ended up where we needed to go. But you just think about it. Do you know anybody like that? Do you know anybody like that in their Christian life? I think that's what keeps God appointing elders and pastors to the church. Because it's not unusual for congregants to be walking the other direction sometimes. They lose their focus. Staying focused on who you're following. You have to keep your eye on the target. And listen, I am not saying in any way, shape, or form that we're not supposed to take care of each other along the way. Let me tell you, when I look down that pathway toward Christ, I see a ton of people ahead of me. I see a, a Malcolm Lee and my, maybe my uncles. They're, they're, they're closer to him than I am. But look, if they get off course a little bit, do I want to keep following them? No. I want to follow the one that they're following. And that's Jesus Christ. i got to keep following him. I have to stay focused on following after him. Now, that entails a ton of things. What stops you from following him? I see it this way. The opposite of staying focused, or the thing that stops me from being focused, is distractions. The world is full of distractions. And all these distractions are designed to keep you off focus. And it doesn't have to keep you off very much. Just kind of throw you off just a little bit. Just a little bit. And a little bit now is a whole lot later. Okay? Distraction will keep you from following the one you're supposed to be following. And so I'm going to show you three distractions that I think Peter suffered with. Let me make sure I put these in the right order here. 
distractions that will keep us from staying focused. Number one, looking at ourselves. Looking at ourselves. And Peter did this. It says, after the, that first great catch of fish, Peter took his eyes off the Lord and looked at himself. In Luke chapter 5, verses 8, verse 8, he had just brought up an incredible amount of fish that Jesus had told him to, to grab. Told him where to go, how to go on this side of the boat, pull it in. Not the same one that we saw in John, but this is another one, another instance of it. And what is, and, and Christ is saying, come unto me, follow me. I'm going to make you fishers of men. And what is Peter's response? Depart from me, for I am sinful, O Lord. I'm a sinful man, Lord. Yeah, I, I can't walk with you. I, I'm, I'm, when you start looking inward at yourself, it'll stop you from following. How this is pointed out, let me show you how this works in our world today. None of you are fishermen on the shore, so I'm not going to use that line, okay? But here's how it happens in, our, in, in counseling, let's say. Well, I know that God forgave me of my sins when I got saved and everything, Pastor, but I just can't forgive myself about this thing over here. That's why I'll never really be able to follow him all the way. I can't forgive myself for all the things I did before I got saved. That sound familiar, anybody? I did all these deplorable things when I was unsaved. I know I have a new life in Christ, but I, I still can't forgive myself. I, I have some counselors in the room. I I'll tell you what that is. That's deflecting. That's you becoming God of your life and not God being your life. Because God said he could forgive your sins. God said he could forget them. God said he cast your sins into the sea of forgetfulness. What do we do? Well, Lord, stay away from me. I'm a sinful man. That's what Peter did. His number one distraction at, at the beginning was himself. It's being, inter it's into myself. I can't do it. I can't. You know what? You're right. You can't do it. You won't be able to do it. But if you truly believe in Jesus Christ today, if you've placed your faith, if you've confessed with your mouth and believed in your heart that he's resurrected from the dead, that he died for your sins, was buried and rose again on the third day, if you truly believe that this morning, I got a news for you. You don't have to do it. You've got one within you that will help you do it. Now you have to make the choice, but the Holy Spirit will carry it through for you. Because when you got saved, you got sealed by the Holy Spirit unto the day of redemption. I've got him in me now, and I'm going to have him in me till I leave here, and I think I'm going to spend eternity with him. I don't know where you think, but that's what I think. All right? That's what I know scripturally. So when you look at it, you say, quit worrying about yourself. Now, yes, live the life. Get in the Word of God. Pray. Can get focused. Staying focused is what makes you mature. Staying focused is how you get transformed into a new life. Staying focused is how you glorify the Father. If you're not staying focused, your every wind of doctrine will change you. It'll all change. You'll be going somewhere else in five minutes. You might do what Peter did, take two steps and turn around. Distractions that keep you from staying focused, looking at yourself. Number two, second distraction, and um, I, this affects every one of you, looking at your circumstances. Looking at your circumstances. 
How are you when everything's going good with staying focused? How are you when everything's going good? You and your wife, employment. God's been good to us. Plenty of funds coming in. Got the new house. Got the new car. Kids are safe and healthy. I'll tell you what. That's when I get the most distracted. That's when it starts to feel, I got this. I'm doing pretty good. That's the most distracting thing there can be. Good circumstances to me are the worst. You know what? We figured out a long time ago here at Valley Bible Church as elders here, we're not going to be a slave to what you give in the offering. We're just not going to be, we're not going to be enslaved by that. That's not our job to make you give money in the offering. That's God's job to do that with you. Now, we're supposed to point out the biblical principle of that, and we do that. But if, no, if the money doesn't come in, I'm not going to not sleep at night. That's God's job to do that. That's circumstances. When everything's going good, that's when I get nervous. When, when I've got a daughter that's doing craziness, living a crazy life when she was younger, that's when I focus the most on Jesus. Because I needed him more then than ever. And guess what? I need him just as much in the good times. I need that focus regardless of the circumstances. Regardless of your circumstances this morning, quit focusing on your circumstances. He's either big enough to get you through him or he's not. And if he's not, find another God because the God I serve can get me through the circumstances. What did Peter do? The example of that, I'm going to keep using Peter as my example. When Peter was walking on the stormy seas with Jesus, what happens? Okay, they're out there in a boat, kind of rocking around. I don't know how big the boat was, plenty big enough, probably getting fish. And they look out on the water, and someone's walking on the water. Now, look, I'm going to go check the medicine cabinet and make sure I didn't drink something incorrectly if I see someone walking on water. Okay, so they didn't recognize who that was at first. But when they did, what does Peter do? What does Peter do? He says, Lord, if that's you, let me come on out there with you. And so he says, come unto me. And so Peter, he steps off the boat, and he doesn't go down. Now he's walking on the water. It's easy for me to sell the story of Jesus walking on the water. He's God. I get that. That makes sense to me. I know that's crazy, but that makes sense to me. I believe in some crazy things when it comes to the Bible. They're not crazy because they're true. But when Peter does it, now he's just a man like us, and he's walking on the water. What happens? He gets distracted along the way. As long as he was focusing on the Savior and looking at Jesus, he's walking on the water. And it wasn't shallow water, and it looked like he... No, no, he was walking on the water. But what happens to him? He looks away from Jesus. His focus changed. A distraction happened. And then all of a sudden he realized, wait a minute, I can't walk on water. Right? And what happens to him? He sinks immediately. It's like he jumped in a pool. He's going down. And what does he do? Lord, save me. 
I don't know if he couldn't swim or what, but a fisherman that can't swim doesn't belong in a boat. But he was in water that was tumultuous enough that it was he needed to be saved, and Jesus did. Brought him about it. But think about it. The distraction around him. As long as he wasn't paying attention to the distraction and following Jesus, it was a safe harbor. As soon as he started paying attention to what was going around, on around him, he, he sunk. What are you being distracted by? On your way following Jesus, what's distracting you? Are your circumstances distracting you? If they are, you better, you better bulk up. It should not distract. There should be no distractions in following Jesus, but there are. The whole world system is designed to distract you from following him. The entire system. Is YouTube keeping you from reading your Bible? Is the Warriors game keeping you from paying attention to what the Lord's saying? Now, I'm not saying I think you can follow Jesus and still be a Warriors fan. Because, you know, I'm, I'm trying to follow him and I am watching those games. No, be careful. Don't get distracted by what's going on around you. Circumstances. Circumstances, I think, either drive you toward him or they make it so he's easy to not pay attention to. And I've just found in my own life, when everything's going good, Whenever, when I don't have any struggles going on and I don't need to go to him or I do need to go to him but it feels like I don't because everything's going good and then suddenly you get a call from your wife and she says I'm coming home and I've just lost my hearing in my right ear and I, I'm dizzy I don't know what's going on oh let me tell you something that'll refocus you real quick guys Everything's going good. Not a storm cloud in sight. And then, wham, something happens. And you go to the doctor, and they say, we think your wife has MS. Oh, the focus even became more imperative. Where are you going to go to, child, whenever things going wrong? I'm going to focus on him and even if he doesn't see me through it in the way I want it, he's still got to be my focus. In the good times and the bad times, he's got to be your focus. Don't be distracted by everything's good or everything's bad. Follow him and it'll all end good, I promise you. Third one, and we see it in this passage. I'm actually going to get back to our passage. Right, let me get my eyes cleared out so I can focus. The third thing, and it's what Peter did here, looking at other Christians, looking at others who believe. Why did Peter look away from the Lord and start to look back? I think he probably just heard John behind him. He knew John was with him. I think he just heard John walking along with him and just turned around but I mean two or three steps in he's already turning around to go back to John and then what's he do the distraction is this this is the, the part that you just go wait a minute hey wait a minute Jesus wait a minute hold on a second stop what about that guy you just said I'm going to die a martyr's death what about him what, 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 what about him what are you going to do to John and let me tell you something I don't think he had a lot of concern for John I would like to believe he did. As a matter of fact, even in our preaching team meeting, I said, I would love to be able to think that he really was concerned about John. I don't really think he was. I think he was comparing it to what he was doing. 
comparative, comparing yourself to other Christians is not a good thing to do. Well, I pray just as much as that guy. So what? Or I get to get up and preach in front of everyone. So what? That's my role. That's what God said my focus is. Follow me and preach. Follow me and be the executive pastor. Follow me, give up other things and follow me. Peter and the rest of you disciples, give up this fishing. Give it up and follow me. That's the command. Follow me, get in line, follow after me. Oh, I said it a while back in a sermon. Would to God we had young men in our church that said there's nothing else more important than this book. There's nothing more. There's nothing going to distract me. Money won't do it. Other famous things, all the things we can think of, it won't distract me. I've got a job to do and it's following him. If I'm impoverished, it's because I followed him and I'll, guess what? All the riches in the world will not compare to one day in his presence. I want to arrive there and say, Lord, I did everything I could. I did everything I could with the help of the Holy Spirit. I think we did some things, didn't we? And I want to hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I hope that's what you want. I hope it's what you want. I looked around in the room earlier, and I saw different people in the room that worked with children, people that work in our AV department up there, and there ain't very many of them. If we want to keep offering the services that we do to our online folks and to what you're enjoying in, this, in, in the day when you're here in a service, we need some help in the AV department. Yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Follow him. Is he prompting your heart to maybe go ask, hey, I might be willing to do that. If he is, why aren't you following him? Follow him in that. Children's I was looking around at the children's workers my wife being one of them, and I'm like, I have about this much patience with a third grader. I, mean, I, I do, I'm sorry. You know why? Because I'm working with adult children, and it's hard enough. Yeah, yeah, watchman on that one. No, you have to stay focused. Don't let your circumstances, don't let other Christians stop you from doing what God called you to do. Ephesians 2, 8, 9, and 10. Oh, let's read it. I'll misquote it if I don't. I'm not a memory person. I'm thankful I know where it's at. Look at this. Look at 8. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Oh, thank God for the gift of faith. You did not come believing in Jesus Christ of your own accord or your own intellect. It was a gift from God that you might have faith in Jesus Christ. Not as a result of works. You could not do enough work that no one may boast. And then look at this. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for laying around no, for good works which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. You've heard me say it before from the pulpit. If you're in worship ministry, you've heard me say it more than that. 
He's got a work for you to do. You have to stay focused in order to accomplish the work that he has for you to do. Stop looking at Christians that aren't doing anything and verifying or justifying that you don't have to. This church will dry up and blow away if we have people that have that attitude. You got to go to work for the Savior. Not for me. No, not for me, other than that it blesses the body of Christ when you do it. You've got to do it because you're in love with the Savior. Do you love me, Peter? You know I do, Lord. Then take care of my sheep. Every one of us, you're not a pastor in the room maybe, but every one of you is supposed to be taking care of sheep somewhere. Every one of you is. That's not just to pastors that he said that. That's all of us. If you love me, take care of my sheep. You think these people get up here and sing every week because they just love to sing and they love coming out on Wednesday nights and being here at 8 o'clock in the morning? No, they do it because they love you. They love his people and they love the Savior. That's why they show up week after week. You think up in the booth that they want to be up there every week? I can tell you right now they don't want to be. They need some help up there. So we're asking for help. Don't let others who aren't working for the Lord stop you from doing it. You've been called by him. He saved you with a purpose in mind. He had something beforehand. Even before you knew him, he had plans of what you were going to do to fulfill your ministry to the body of Jesus Christ. Quit being distracted. Stay focused. And look, you can get out of focus even on good things. You can get caught up in this and that and the other over here. It seems like a good thing, but that's not where God called you. Get on the path that he called you to. Get on that pathway. Stay focused on him. Stay focused on him. I'm going to run out of time. Can't believe it. You guys can believe it, but I can't. He said this to him, though. This is what Jesus responded. If I want him to remain until I come, what is that to you? If I want John to be here till the end of time, until I come back, what's that got to do with you, Peter? He's rebuking him for, don't be looking at him. Your job is follow me. John's job, follow me. You notice John followed without him having to tell him to follow. He had already told him to follow him. Early in his Early, early on when he met John, follow me. John got in line and started following. And that's what he reiterates. Jesus said, if you want him to remain, if, if I want him to remain until I come, what is that to you, Peter? You follow me. That's what your command, that's what I told you. Don't look at what's going on with John. That's, Hey, I'm not looking at Randy Ostie or Tim Ballstrom to decide what I got to do. God put it in my heart to do what I'm doing. And he should have it in your heart to do something for him. I just got approached by a young lady in, in between services that says, I want to work in youth ministry. I said, praise the Lord. We could use you. This isn't, even a ministry, this isn't even a sermon to get you to serve. This is just part of it. Christians, don't be looking at other Christians and say, well, I don't have to do anything because they're not doing anything. Just because they're living like the devil doesn't mean you should. All right? Stay in line. 
get the focus back look what happens with christians that are focused you know what happens with christians that get focused on jesus he transforms them he changes them into something that they could never be without that focus that's what happens how do you get transformed renew your mind romans 12 1 right get your mind renewed stay in the word get to praying get to talk ask god what is your will for my life it's okay it's okay to ask him that question it's not mystical it can be if you want it to be, but it doesn't have to be. You can just get in the Word and find out what you should be doing. To be distracted by ourselves, our circumstances, or by other Christians is to disobey the Lord and possibly get detoured out of the will of God. Keep your eyes of faith on Him and on Him alone. This does not mean that we ignore others. We don't. Philippians 1 and 2, we continue to be responsible for the caring of others. We still pray for one another. How he works in your life is his business. It is. That's up to him. Our business is to follow him as he leads us. That's Romans 14, 1 through 13. You know, I remember a time... in ministry where I thought I was doing everything that I could possibly do for the Lord. And I, I suffered with this particular instance of looking at other Christians and, and watching how God was blessing their ministries or doing whatever. And I would think, man, what, what can I, I, I thought I'm doing the right thing here. And I, I found a passage, Galatians 1.10, that reminded me of, of a focus that I needed to have. Why are you doing what you're doing today? Why are you here this morning? Checking off a box? Uh, you're here because your wife drug you here? Your husband drug you here? Your kids drug you here? Why are you here this morning? I hope it's because you're following after him. I hope it's because you want to be together to encourage one another. That's part of following after him. So, I mean, there's a lot more I want to say, but I'm out of time. Let me, let me just real quick, 23 and 24, verses 23 and 24, um, or 24 and 25, excuse me, is the authentication portion of uh, our passage where, where John just authenticates that he's the author of the, of the book. Uh, this is the disciple who is testifying to these things and wrote these things, and we know that his testimony is true. <laughs> well, it's pretty easy for him to say that about himself, right? I was there when this stuff happened, and I wrote it down. So just know that I was there when these things happened. I saw them happen. And then he continues on, he says, and there are also many other things which Jesus did, which if they were written in detail, I suppose, so that would mean when you hear an author say, I suppose, it's kind of a metaphorical statement that he's gonna make. I suppose that even the world itself would not contain the books that would be written about Christ if we wrote every detail, okay? So I heard it, um, I just, I had it down, it's 320, I was wrong on that, I just went back and looked at it again. On your life, let's say Tim Ballstrom sitting right there, if we looked at his life in detail and wrote everything down that he's ever done and did all that, it would take 3,200 libraries. 3,200 libraries for us to do that with Tim. Okay? And, and, or with myself or with whoever. And really, we're not that interesting. When it compares to Christ, we're not that interesting. So you can imagine, if you were to write everything down that he did, 
it would be an incredible amount of information. But what we do know, what we do know is that everything that was written down was written down through the Holy Spirit's guidance, and he wrote down the things that he needed to write down. Why did he do that? The things he wrote down, he wrote, yeah, he wrote down, the things that he did write down, why did he do that? So that there would be enough information there that you might believe, that you might believe. It's the theme of the entire book, is believing. Believing on Christ and what he did. So John wrote the whole thing so that you might believe. And you go back to chapter 20, verses 30 and 31, that's what it says. He wrote it down so that you'd believe, so that you would know what to focus on. That's Jesus Christ. So what to follow? Follow after Jesus Christ. In, in doing so, your life will be transformed. And let me tell you something. There's people in this room right now that you cannot believe you're even sitting in church today. When you look back at your life, you think, why am I sitting in church today? If you don't, if you're not careful, you'll get distracted and you won't come to church. Don't do that. But you can do that. You can start to, when you think about what you were like before Christ entered your life, before you believed, it's amazing that you're sitting in that pew this morning. Amen? And I know some of your stories, so I know it's amazing that you're here. I think it's amazing I'm here. Conclusion. Um, Jesus Christ, right now, is transforming lives. He's doing it today. He's transforming lives. Where, wherever he finds a believer who is staying focused, that believer will yield to his will, listen to his word, and follow him in his way. If you're here focused on him today, you'll do all the things that are needed to continue to follow him. He will begin to transform that believer and accomplish remarkable things in the life of the believer that follows him, that stays focused. Just don't let the distractions of this life stop you from following him. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you so much. Thank you for Peter and John. Thank you for Jesus Christ. Thank you that we have someone to follow. We can be focused on Jesus Christ today and know that we're doing the right thing by doing that. And Lord, I would just say to these folks here and online today, what is distracting you today? What is stopping you from being transformed? What's stopping you from ministering? What in the world, what are the distractions in your life that are causing you not to stay focused? making the main thing the main thing. I pray today that your focus would be changed if you're not, your direction would be changed if you haven't been following after him. In Jesus' name, amen.